Hey guys, it's Blake from Sabak Talk. Tim and I were talking and we realized our first episode is not the best. Um, it is a little stiff and um, it's very rehearsed. So we just want to let you guys know as a, as a little um, introductory before you listen. Uh, we will not be offended if you go to if you start with the second episode because we promise that they get a lot better. So if you start the first episode and it's not up to your speed, please start the second one and uh, continue to listen. We just really want to try and provide uh, our, our viewers and, you know, Star Wars fans in general with just something that we could all enjoy and appreciate. So thank you guys. Hello and welcome to the uh, Sabak Talk podcast. This is the uh, Star Wars talk for the average fan. Um, this is Tim. And Blake. And uh, we're really just, uh, if, if this is your first time to our podcast, uh, here with episode one, this is really just the podcast of us as average but passionate and uh, Star Wars fans that just, we love the galaxy far, far away and we're just trying to talk about it. And uh, not doing anything too uh, serious when it comes to analytics, but just uh, enjoying uh, talking about uh, our fav- one of our favorite topics. Um, so for right now, um, these first, uh, several episodes, we're just going to be reviewing season one of, uh, the Mandalorian, which is featured on Disney plus, um, and going chapter by chapter through that. All right, let's just start talking then. Um, so what do you, uh, let's get, let's get your, let's get your review here first, uh, Blake, uh, talking about, um, season one chapter one of the Mandalorian um, we're introduced to the story through this chapter. And this is sort of like this huge moment. I feel like for star Wars fans um, coming into this chapter. And so let's hear your review here on uh, chapter one, which is titled the Mandalorian of the show, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I loved it. I thought um, it was a great introduction episode. Um, I rewatched it, you know, the other day and I was just like in awe of how, how clean everything honestly looked the sets um the 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 costumes all the design i thought it was uh very well done um and it you know just got me that you know that giddy feeling of you know star wars is back and it came back in such a bold and strong way um i i love the mandalorian uh he you know starts off such like his badass way and he's just so cool and calm and i think he's a great character to focus on and you know, his arc in the whole um, series is, is amazing. And then even in the first episode, he has a lot of, you know, good character development. Um, and I just like the whole feel of how they made this Star Wars. And, um, you know, John Favreau did an excellent job um, directing and, and filming this whole thing. This whole first episode, you know, which is, I thought it was just really good for me. Yeah, definitely. I think that I definitely, like, agree. Um, and I... Um when you say like the development of like the character comes out in the first episode, I think that that's like surprisingly true. Um, which is like something that's really impressive with the fact that you never see his face. Right. That's funny. You mentioned that because if you watch the, the gallery, which is like the Mandalorian behind the scenes, um, the actors themselves were having a hard time. They said gauging how to you know kind of act because they couldn't read the mandalorian's facial expressions um but they said he had so much life to them so they couldn't really explain it um but they said like they was just really good writing and how and the actor himself pedro he did a really good job of somehow he was able to portray himself 
the Mandalorian without even making eye contact or having facial expressions. So, yeah, I thought he 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 did such a good job. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that um, and th- that you're referencing that other uh, piece is the behind the scenes series called uh, Star Wars Gallery, which is all about the making of the Land- Mandalorian. I would recommend that to anybody. But um, one of the things that I remember him talking about in one of those episodes was that um, as an actor, um, he found that you would think that um, because his face wasn't shown, he would have to sort of um, move his head more and sort of move his body more. And he, t- and he said that it's actually the opposite, that he found that he had to keep himself more still so that anytime he did move his head or turn his face or sort of motion with any sort of body language, it sort of stood out more and it became more meaningful. And I think that's something that I definitely noticed like right off the bat, like every time, every little movement of his head, you notice because he stays still so much. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a really cool, um, just it, the element, that element of the character is just cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That goes back to, yeah, he's just this badass that he just worries about himself and um, right in the beginning. And uh, he's just, he's just so calm. I love, I love characters that are like that, that just, you know, are just so cool. They don't have to worry about it because they know, you know, his Mandalorian training is the best and he's, he is one of the best, if not the best uh, bounty hunter that anyone has ever seen. So I love that about him. Yeah, definitely. That brings me, I want to hear a little bit. What was, what's like your reaction and like your feeling, like as we're going through obviously that first scene and that first scene that we know also was released before the actual chapter was ever released you know it was like it was like a it was part of the promo for the the series um that bar scene um yes yes that uh dude that scene is so good oh man i love <laughs> i love that scene like he uh just like you know does all this stuff he fights all these guys and he cuts that dude in half and then just goes back <laughs> to his drink like nothing happened it's like or just goes back to the bar i'm like that that is awesome dude i love that yeah no, definitely. There's like, there's such a, there's, I think that um, to reference a little bit about my like general, my general review of this like first chapter, I think that like the, one of the most like things that stands out to me was just that overall vibe of just like coolness and like badassery. Like, it's just like, like, that's like, if that was like, if there was like one vibe to describe the entire episode, I feel like that's it. And I think it stands out a lot, you know, when you're watching it for like, as the first episode of the series because you're not really um, familiar with the character yet. And so you're just sort of like, you're trying to figure him out. You're like, not really sure exactly what's going on. And he just has like this aura about him. That's just like, just, it's like, it just oozes coolness and, and sort of that, like that badass like loner lone wolf sort of vibe. Yeah, totally. And um, what I also really like too is um, I, I think it's like that lawless, you know, old Western type of, um, how it was kind of filmed, you know, this is post empire. This is five years after return of the Jedi. And so like the new mm-hmm. Republic is there, but it's like, it's still kind of, you know, in its newer phases. And um, so it's like, everyone is kind of just, you know, honestly kind of just kind of fending through themselves and especially, you know, the outer parts of the galaxy and those planets. Um, it's just, um, I think John Favreau did an excellent job of uh, portraying that. Just like what are people are like trying to live an average life without, pretty much like a government or the empire or the new Republic. It's just trying to get, you know, get by day to day. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I, I think I want to come back to uh, when we get to some of our other segments of the show. 
is talking a little bit about that post empire vibe. Um, but I think that um, something that you just said there was like um, in my, in my general review of the episode, something, and this was the first time I watched it all the way to like this week when I watched it for, for this review was just like the obvious sort of notes of the American Western um, feeling that were brought out um, in this episode. And I think that for me, one of the things that really stood out to me in this episode um, and just in the Mandalorian at large, but this episode sort of being the first one um, is that it just felt like it just really, really like captured that star Wars spirit. Um, And I think one of the ways that it does that is because it fully sort of commits and like really embraces um, the world of the galaxy far, far away. Like it embraces like um, some of the weirdness and some of the strangeness that feels very alien um, compared to like earth. Right. Um, But it also has like aesthetically and like, just like the overall tone has that like American Western grittiness and that American Western sort of vibe that really like keeps it grounded. Um, And I think that that, that balance between being like grounded and feeling like earthy, but also feeling very alien and very like committed to like this whole world and all the canon and all the um, all like the elements of that universe. um, I feel like that balance is really what really captures the spirit of star Wars. And um, yeah, it's just like, it just, I feel like of all things, that's what stood out to me from this episode. And it's, it's just like, it's a really exciting thing. Um, when you feel like you're really diving back into that world and it's really feels like, you know, it feels like the way it should feel, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. You, I think you said it great. Um, well, right on. So Blake, what, what would you say? Like, if you could name just a couple things, like what, what did you like the most about this episode? Um, yeah. Uh, I actually really like seeing the post empire, um, in hiding. I thought that was kind of cool, you know? Um, cause I mean, we don't have any, I guess we have, there's some literature out now, but um, there's is, I have some read, read some books about how the empire, the empire operated in secrecy um, because they were not ready to give up. You know, once the emperor died, they wanted to still operate. And so there was their leaders that wanted to try and get them back to glory. And I thought that was cool because it also shows um, the Mandalorian. He went down under what into like the sewers to where the other Mandalorians were. And they talked about how, you know, trying, they're both trying to get to glory. And I thought that was kind of interesting how um, the Empire is also in, in hiding and they lost theirs and and so was the Mandalorians. They um, were taken by the great, they had mentioned this, you know, the great purge um, that the mm-hmm. Empire had, you know, attacked Mandalore. And so the Mandalorians are, they're both trying to do this thing. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes um, in later than maybe in season two, they bring this up back up because the empire is still there. The Mandalorian is still there. So trying to see these, both these two, you know, civilizations, these two people trying to get back together or to get back to their former glory, I should say. Um, so that's something I really liked about, you know, this, this first episode and um, kind of seeing, you know, what's, what's going on with people that we are not really familiar with, or we didn't get to see, or kind of, like, I guess just kind of a follow up of what's happened after return of the Jedi. Another thing I liked was, um, I don't know why, but for me, I really liked the IG unit. Um, I thought that was like a really funny, uh-huh. really funny character to me. And hit, watching him and the Mando team up to go um, and get the child, I thought that was such a cool scene. Um, so I really liked both those 
uh, both mm-hmm. those aspects of the first episode. And as far as anything I didn't like, um, I don't know if there was anything I didn't like right off the bat. I guess, you know, it, it, I guess I wish it could have been longer, but I know you need to keep these down to like an episode and it really kept, it kept me wanting more. So um, I think, yeah. I think that's what I really liked about it. And I, like specific characters or any plot holes, I can, I can't really find any. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, mm-hmm. really, I just had a really good uh, overall view of this first episode. What about you? Yeah. Um, so I think that you, you named a lot of things that I really liked and uh, the post empire piece, like I want to keep talking about that too. Cause that's just exciting and it's interesting and just love to see that. And I never noticed, I never thought about the parallel sort of experience of like the empire in hiding and the Mandalorians in hiding. And I think there's like really deep sort of like meaning there too, because we know that like at a long shot, like a lot of the aesthetics and like the, you know, like there's a lot of, um, the empire has a lot of origins as terms of like their stormtroopers uh, armor and their fighting style and just how they grew out of the grand army of the Republic. They have a lot of origins with, you know, the Mandalorians. And so that's a really interesting uh, point you bring up. Um, But to talk a little bit about a couple of my points of things that I like the most, I would, I would echo what you're saying, but also um, I would say um, just what it offers the, like the, the, um, what it offers the galaxy and like, you know, new sort of material, I think is what I, what I like the most, like just like having like a new storyline and like a new way to explore star Wars. Um, and then I, I think that one thing, especially this sort of second or third time I've watched this chapter um, was just how impressed I was with the visuals and the costumes and the set and the music even. And I just felt like that part of the production was just so. Excellent. Yeah. They were spot like, on for sure. Oh yeah. And like some of the, like some of the characters just looked so awesome and, and it just looked so star Wars, you know, it just looked, everything was just really, really spot on. And I love the theme music for the Mandalorian. It, it, it captures like that star Wars feeling. And then once again, it captures that like Western feeling as well. And sort of this ominous um, kind of uh, uh, has this tense sort of edge to it. Um, and so, yeah, I really loved uh, all those elements of the production. I was just really impressed with. Um, and I can go into like maybe a couple things that I felt. Um, I feel like, um, especially watching it like in review, I feel like the plot sort of leaves me wanting like a little bit more, like a little bit more um, driving, like drive behind the plot, if that makes sense. Like things that sort of um, follow like a, a consistent logic and like drive the plot from like point to point. Um, and one of the, one thing that like really, um, I'm really curious about, um, and I wish that there were answers to is like who these people are that have, um, baby Yoda, have Mm -hmm. the the child. Yeah. Like who is he in custody with and understanding a little bit more of what's going on there. I, I felt that like, um, I'm the, I'm the kind of person when I watch something like I'm, I'm over sort of the, the action movies that just sort of have these sort of faceless um, identity lists, like bad guys, um, sort of generic bad guys. And Star Wars works for me usually because I, I feel okay with clones or stormtroopers or battle droids being these faceless bad guys. Cause I know sort of how they fall into the, uh, into the story and how they fall into like their ranks and everything. But in this one, I was like, I was kind of feeling like, I wish I knew sort of what was going on a little bit more. I felt like it, it, it sort of like toes the line between like, is this just like um, 
sort of teasing the audience or is this just like they just didn't know what to write um, <laughs> <laughs> and so i don't know uh, that's maybe like a little bit like a little bit more um more bold than i should say no yeah i can see that for sure that's that's like, i didn't really think about that so yeah i can yeah hopefully i mean maybe we'll if they go find out where yoda baby yoda or the child i guess i should say uh came from maybe that'll say yeah. where, maybe the, how these guys came in contact with him yeah, like that would make a lot of sense to me. And I feel like if they revisit that planet and revisit some of those uh, those origin pieces of this season in season two, hopefully we get some of those answers. Um, and then another thing that I don't know, I don't know how, um, let me ask you how you feel about this, but I just don't know how I feel about the Blurgs, to be honest. Um, yeah, that was it. I guess, yeah, I can see that too. That's an interesting part. Uh, he's like, no, you have to learn to ride these. Or else it's the fastest way to get there. I was like, what? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's a, that's kind of, a, that was kind of an interesting. I wish, I wish that, I wish that Quill the Ugnaught would have like named the element of surprise because it feels like that would be the only like logical reason to ride a blurg to get there. Yeah, because he could just phone a ship there, right, or something. Yeah, but <laughs> but but Quill Quill like never like names that. Yeah, right. He never says like you need the element of surprise, so you need to ride a blurg. That would have sort of, I think, like plot wise, that would have been one of those points where like that would have driven that that whole thing. But I feel like they really wanted to find that like Western like scene of him like trying to learn how to ride this like um, this mount, right? Which is like I feel like you know somebody like trying to like break a horse is like very much like a, an image of like the American like Western kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe they just wrote it in there or had that whole scene because they wanted to build that relationship with Quill. Yeah. No, I think I think that definitely that as well, and I think that. That's something like if I if I was like reviewing it like in light of the entire um, series, then I, I'm definitely grateful for all those scenes for sure. Yeah, um, and and we know that there's going to be more scenes with Quill, mm -hmm. you know, coming up. Um, so those are some of my like just like little analysis things, um, things I liked, and then maybe some things that I I thought could have been a little bit a little bit more uh, on point. All right, you guys, it's our favorite part of the podcast. We're going to do a little segment section right here. We're going to have, like, hopefully every episode we'll have, like, the best line, best supporting actor, a little fun facts and Easter eggs. Yep, here we go. So um, I've got some – I've got mine things listed out. I've got some fun facts. I've got some Easter eggs. Um, uh, I'm sure you do too as well, um, Blake. So I'm going to let you take – you take the first one and then I'll hit you back. Let's start with, let's start with some fun facts and then we'll get into our personal faves. Okay. I got a little, I guess, Easter egg here. Um, so uh, when the Mandalorian, the Mando, when he's having flashbacks, um, they have those Mandalorians that save his people. We just get a little glimpse of it, but on their shoulder pads, they have um, the uh, death watch uh, insignia which I thought was pretty significant. That's kind of interesting if you guys know about Death Watch. Um, and another one I saw on the Easter egg for another insignia one, I guess, is um, Dr. Pershing. Um, he was part of the, that empire. He had a Camino um, insignia on his uniform. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of brings about the cloning aspect of it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. And those are both things that we like, I think that oh, people that know like that much about Star Wars are like, have been like stewing over um, since the season ended right he's got that same patch as the clones did in camino and then you know they've got the uh, the death watch which if people don't know who are listening death watch is a group of mandalorians that sort of advocate and fight for like the uh, independence and liberty of mandalore during the clone wars um, tv show 
Um, I've got a couple facts as well. These are pretty simple. Um, so the, um, I'll start with uh, right off the beginning, uh, the general setting. So we've got three planets that uh, Mando visits uh, during this episode. The first one, which is an icy planet, um, which uh, is where uh, he first captures his first bounty and um, uh, et cetera. We, we uh, also get to meet these uh, beasts called Ravenax, which are sort of uh, these carnivorous beasts that uh, live under the ice. Um, and sort of rule this planet to a degree. Um, this planet's called Maldo Crace. Um, and it's, it's sort of a, a fun one. Um, and then the next planet he goes to, also in the Outer Rim, is called Navarro. And this is um, sort of a volcanic uh, planet. Um, and really all we know about it is this outpost and that this is sort of the, where the Bounty Hunters Guild is headquartered. Um, the last planet that Mando visits is, car, is called Arvala 7. Um, this is a desert planet. Um, we know that there's uh, some sort of uh, gathering of refugees or something like that. And that's sort of what Quill um, notions um, about people going there to seek out peace. Um, but there's also this encampment there. We know that Jawas um, live there. We're going to learn that in the next episode. I guess I shouldn't give a spoiler out. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've got another little fun fact here that's a, a good one. Um, so this first uh, bounty hunter, or this first bounty that uh, Mando gathers, um, the species, uh, we don't actually ever learn his name, but his species is called Mithril. And so this is an amphibious species. Um, we don't know what their home planet is, but he is uh, the first ever appearance of this particular alien species is in this episode of The Mandalorian. Um, but there is also a second appearance uh, by a Mithril named June Gobint in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. and He's a member of the Resistance, uh, sort of working at the Resistance base um, throughout The Rise of Skywalker. And so, oh, that's cool. yeah, it is cool. There's, there's sort of a couple little connections there. And um, I don't know what evacuate thorax means, <laughs> but I don't really want to know. And so that whole... Yeah, it does not sound pleasant. No, and that whole scene is really uh, fun and interesting too, right? Like this guy is like sort of trying to, you know, get goofy with Mando and, you know, going to do something sneaky. And like Mando sort of appears behind him and says, you know, probably not when he says he might go home to his family. That part was, <laughs> that part was just awesome. Um, it brought in like some elements of like your typical, like scary movie. And I like that. Okay. So now I've got three Easter eggs that I uh, are all like uh, fun and they contribute to what we've been talking about sort of throughout this, um, this uh, review, which is, connecting the Mandalorian to the time period that it's set in, which is just, you know, in a matter of years after the battle of Yavin, after uh, return of the Jedi concludes. Um, and there's three Easter eggs that are kind of do like a, a really fun job at connecting us back to the original trilogy and grounding us sort of in that world. Um, first one, as, as Mando's walking through the streets of Navarro, you see a Kowakian lizard monkey that is on a spit being roasted with another Kowakian lizard monkey in the background watching as his uh, family or friend is, is being uh, cooked to be eaten. And where does this come from? Return of the Jedi in Jabba's palace, Kowakian lizard monkey is sort of this uh, little laughing creature that love that guy yeah, that sort of hangs around java yeah i know he's sort of you know brings in that weirdness and that funness uh, to star wars and so kawaki and lizard monkey appears in this one um another easter egg is just the, the ugnaught himself and we learn more about this as we go um his affiliations with the empire we'll learn about that maybe in later chapters but um there are ugnaughts um the first time we see ugnaughts the same species as quill um 
is in Empire Strikes Back um, in Bespin, Cloud City, um, sort of in this ref- uh, yep. refinery production area where um, C-3PO is like stripped of his limbs and things like that. Um, that's our <laughs> first time we see Ugnaughts. And so that's a fun little um, Easter egg that draws us back to, you know, one of our favorites, uh, Empire Strikes Back. And then um, the last one I'll note, and this is like a pretty minor one, is um, as Mando is on his way from the cantina where he meets with Grief Karga, um, who's the leader. Grief Karga is the leader of the um, uh, Bounty Hunters Guild. Um, as Mando's on his way from there and he arrives at uh, the client um, and he knocks on the door, there's this door, this like sort of door camera that sort of pops out of the wall. And this is called a gatekeeper droid. And the first time we see this type of droid is at Jabba's palace uh, during Return of the Jedi. And it's just a small little thing, but it's just fun, right? It's fun to have these little elements that remind us that we're in the same galaxy as, you know, our favorite movies of all time. Um, And so those are just a couple Easter eggs from this. And um, if anybody listening has any other Easter eggs or little things like that, that they loved about the Mandalorian, be sure to um, comment them wherever uh, you have uh, space for comments on this episode. Okay. Should we get into some, um, some of our personal favorites? Yes. All right, let's do it. Uh, Tim, what is your best line, um, best supporting actor, and then your best costume? Okay. Um, so my favorite line, and this is going to come off as like obvious, the most obvious, I feel like my favorite line from this, um, was I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. Um, Yes. (laughs) I know. Right. I knew you were going to say that. I want to say that's a good one. It's so good. good. It's, I took it. Um, but, uh, it's, 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 um, it's, it's Mando's first, um, that he says, you know, the first line we hear from the character, um, and there's, and what's so cool about it, it just adds so much to his character as I, and I feel like this is very patient script writing from the producers, um, is that there's so much chatter going on around him, you know, with, um, these thugs that are speaking Hutties to him, the bartender, and then the myth role, the bounty with his sort of annoying, um, sort of chatter. Um, and Mando never says anything. And the first thing he says is I could bring you in warm or I could bring you in cold. And just the delivery of the line. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. Like, I just like, it just like, it just like sends the whole character. It sends the whole episode. I feel like it really like sets, it sets yep. the character up so well. Um, and so I just, I couldn't resist. There was other great lines. Um, actually my, um, my, uh, my, oh, actually, I won't say what my, my uh, honorable mention was because I, you, I, I may be taking it from you, but uh, yes, I'll, you go, back, watch I'll out for go that. next down to um, <laughs> best supporting character. Um, so my favorite supporting character from this chapter was actually the client, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and that may come as a surprise, but um, I really, I, I really liked the character of the client and I liked him because he was sort of ominous and he was sort of, um, he kind of had this, he kind of has this edge to him and like he's mysterious, but he's also like, uh, yeah. And you don't really know what he's after and what he's all about. Um, and yeah, you just, yeah. Like, you know, he's has like this, this prominent guy in the empire, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. And, and you just, you get the sense and I think it's from the writing of the lines. Um, cause if you listen to his dialogue, his dialogue is so like convoluted with like this, like pretty like complex, like vocabulary compared to like, your typical sort of Star Wars jargon. Like he's very much like, he uses like big words and like he's very like 
polished. And I think that that sort of drives home this idea that he is like a powerful person. Right. And, um, and you get that idea already because he's got these, you know, he's got the armed stormtroopers around him and he's willing to pay all this Beskar um, for this reward. And it's the sort of this like underworld sort of vibe. But I feel like the underworld sort of uh, interaction between Mando and him is just polished by like how they costumed and how, how um, Warner Herzog delivers the lines and just the dialogue that's given by the character. I, he's, his character it was my favorite in this episode. I feel like he really added a lot to, uh, to the whole uh, chapter. Um, and my last piece here that I'll give is, um, was best costume or makeup. And this one may come as a surprise too, but I really was impressed uh, this time watching it with the costume for um, the armorer. Right. And so, Oh yeah, yeah, she was good. Yeah. She looks really cool. And like, you know, she's, you know, Mando goes back and he goes to the, uh, the underground of Navarro and meets up with the tribe of Mandalorians that are down there. And she's, you know, sort of this de facto leader. And, um, she's, she's got this badass aura about her, but her, her costume is really, really cool. I mean, she's got like the big fur sort of like Cape or like pelt. that's like draped over her shoulders. She's got like, you know, a, a different sort of, um, it looks like very old world, her, uh, the makeup of her like face and her helmet, it's got gold on it. And it's, it's, it's just really cool. Um, she looks like a, like sort of like all Mandalorians look like this, but her to a, a more so extent, she looks like this, like Spartan, you know, like a Spartan. Yeah. Galaxian. Yeah. I, I agree. And yeah, I thought her costume and like sort of the direction you can go with like Mandalorian armor. I thought they totally nailed it, uh, with her costume. I think she, I thought she looked really cool. Yeah, I thought it was really cool too because I didn't—I wasn't familiar with you know a whole lot about. Um, I guess I watched Clone Wars, so I just kind of had like that little idea of Mandalore. Uh-huh. Uh, but I loved how they all had like they showed those multiple Mandalores in the background, mm-hmm. the Mandalorians in the background. I love how they all had di- like you could see their personality. Yeah, like you see their their character, they, but they have that same you know the same obviously basic you know T helmet. Yeah, uh, but it's like you could see they're they're all different too. So I love that. I thought that was so cool. I, I, something I didn't know that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally, yeah, I, I totally agree. And like exploring like what's like possible with Mandalorians it, because they're just so badass. is just like yeah. one of the most enjoyable things that Star Wars can do. Um, but let's get in now. Let's get let's get your uh, your counter uh, favorites to mine. Okay, like your okay, best yeah. line, supporting character, and then uh, costume. I mean, I had a feeling you were going to do warm, warm or cold, so I was like, <laughs> I got to find another one. And there is another good one. Um, it is. Um, I like those odds. Okay, yeah. So this is when he's <sighs> surrounded by the stormtroopers. Yes, I love that. And the stormtrooper goes, "You're outnumbered four to one." And he goes, "I like those odds, dude." And I was like, "Okay, this dude, <laughs> you know, this dude is just, is awesome. He's so he's just so cool and calm, and he's not afraid of anyone." And mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of makes you think of you know a little bit about Han Solo, where he goes, "Never tell me the odds." Mm-hmm. So I yeah. kind of just like they just they just want to they just they could, they believe they could do anything. So I love that. Yeah, I love that line. That was a great line. Uh, my supporting actor uh, or supporting character, uh, kind of different. I loved IG Unit, dude. Uh huh. Yeah. I love the IG. I thought he just he kind of brought in a little sense of humor in it, but it was still serious. And um, I just thought it was very interesting, though. Towards the end of the episode, you know, he he put he points a gun at the child, and he said that we have my instructions were to kill it. So I thought that was really weird that they yeah. had two different two different. Um, 
instruction. So I'm, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out this whole concept of the IG, IG unit, like who sent him? Mm-hmm. Was he from the guild or was it from someone else? So I was kind of trying to theorize that and came up with some ideas, but nothing really conclusive. So, but I really liked his, his character. Yeah. Um, and how he was honestly a badass too. You know, the first episode he, you know, was, I like how he can, you know, spin around and he was shooting multiple people. At yeah. Time, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. It was cool to see like um, the combat, like sort of like a really like detailed way that like the IG units do combat. Cause you know, we see yeah. the, we see the one IG unit in empire strikes back, right. Standing behind um, Vader as he's sending the bounty hunters to go and capture yeah. um, the millennium Falcon. And, and then here we see, you know, one of those in action and it, yeah, it was really, it was really cool. I totally, uh, I totally support that choice. And one of the other reasons I support that choice is because we got to, we got to pay respect to the great voice talents of Taika Waititi. I thought yes, he did yeah, such he did a good awesome. job of like <laughs> sounding like a robot, but also bringing a little bit of humor to it. And just like, oh man, he did such a good job with it. I thought. Yeah, he did really good. Um, and let's see, my best costume, um, I got to go with Mando on this one. I, okay. Um, I just think his costume was just like, he just looks so, obviously it's not the nicest costume, but you could tell, you know, he's he's trying to, he's like, you tell he's been around. Like, he's mm-hmm. it's hardened, and I just thought he had hit so good. But I loved how his helmet was, you know, uh, nice and clean and polished, and it looked good. So it's like, he just respects um, the Mandalorian creed, you know, so much. So I, mm-hmm. I love that about it. I love that the whole, he has like all these different ma- mismatching pieces. So I just see, you just see that he's been through a lot. So I just, I liked his costume design a lot. Yeah. And I think that and I totally agree. And I, and what, one thing I love about his character too, is, and this is just because I've seen the rest of it. It's just how, um, because he doesn't have a face, um, you know, I feel like his armor and his costume kind of grows with the character, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay, so I want to. I, I feel like I need to talk about a couple honorable mentions for these three right. categories um, because I don't want to like leave anybody in the dust. I don't want to upset anybody who's listening to this who has like a passion for any of the particular characters. Um, I feel like best line. Um, I feel like an honorable mention for that might be like "I have spoken" by Kuil. You know? Yeah, that was a good one. And he delivers it multiple times, and each time it just sort of it's like this quirky element to the character, but it also like sort of is <laughs> is just like. There's uh, there's also like a badassness to him as a character, and so yeah. I also think that he needs to be mentioned as uh, best supporting character honorable mention. Oh yeah, um, he's, yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, but I think that I think that for me, like knowing sort of that there's going to be more of him in later episodes, I, I wanted to save the supporting character uh, acclaim sure. for one of our other episodes <laughs> to talk about him. Um, and then in terms of makeup and uh, costume, I thought that um, I actually thought that the first bounty. I I was looking at his like makeup more, um, the mithril, and he he looks really really good. Um, yeah, he does. And I just think like creating these different uh, aliens is just such a task. Um, and I also love the fact, and this is just so overall for the episode talking about costume, is um, they use more puppets again, and I think that that was fun. Like Queel is a puppet, and um, you've got sort of the um, and and like also just like weird sort of. Um, they almost have a homemade feel to them. These costumes, like um, for example, on on Maldo Crace, when Mando is uh, getting the speeder to go to his um, to his ship, um, the Razor Crest, uh, he is uh, he has to like ask this uh, character to, to call the speeder, and he's got his little flute, yeah. and that character. Just looks- <laughs> You know, that was so weird that flute dude. i know it was so weird but it like it works because it just yeah, it is what it, it is and 
we know that in A New Hope, a character that looks just like this guy, and I, I don't even know the species name, so if you know, people that are commenting on this can maybe add that in. Um, but um, he's also the spy in A New Hope, right? Um, that is sort of spying on them in most Eisley and sends the stormtroopers to uh, uh, oh, yep. try to stop them from leaving. Um, and so it's, it's also another way that we're revisited by the original trilogy. So um, any, any honorable mentions for you on any of these uh, categories? Um, yeah, I really liked the Mithril. I thought he was really good. I was thinking that too when you were, uh-huh. uh, before you said anything. Um, but I don't know. I think, um, um, I guess I, obviously we got to mention the child, dude. I mean, the child oh, yeah. was awesome. That of course. Was, <laughs> the, uh, you know, broke the, broke the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I think he, he honestly does look pretty lifelike. I mean, compared to the, obviously what we have of the, the Yoda from the original trilogies that was a puppet and, um, it was very stiff, but like, I mean, I don't know how that, it, like it is a puppet, but I don't know if they do like computer animation on his face or anything, but I thought that was a really good job. He looks pretty lifelike. Um, and just like so friendly and, and, uh, obviously I'll say, you know, cute, he's cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's a good, good supporting actor. And we see him, you know, later in the series and he's just awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, and then any, I would, I, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I think we have to mention grief Karga as well. Right. Oh, heck yeah, dude. I, I really liked his character. And like, I thought that, uh, Weathers like was just awesome. Like I, I thought that he had the perfect amount of like charm, almost like a Han Solo like charm, but he's also got this, this vulnerability and just this, just this really like, uh, also like this powerful sense to him as well. So he was a great yeah, of character. Course. Yeah. He is also, I mean, I guess now that you mentioned him, you know, like this whole series is like all about, you know, character development. So mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to talk more about it later episodes, but even, you know, grief Carga, like he has a great character development, great arc. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, and the show is so good. I, I'm really excited for this podcast. <laughs> okay, definitely, definitely. You know, and me as well. Um... All right, Tim. So, you know, as we kind of conclude this episode, what was your like your final take or um, your final idea about this this episode? Um, I think that if I were to just sort of like wrap up all my thoughts on this episode, obviously, like as a Star Wars fan and someone who loves Star Wars, I love this. I loved watching this. Right? It was just exciting. And it was really endearing. And despite some of the things that I thought could have been better, um, I also felt like it was just it like it like hit every every note like so perfectly, um, especially with the production, especially with like costumes and music and just um, world building, right? Just building the world and just really placing us into that world. Um, and I felt like this was just a really awesome way to visit the world of post Return of the Jedi. Um, and like really like taking us back to the galaxy far, far away while still, um, sort of diverging from the Skywalker saga and the mold of like the Skywalker, uh, saga, um, centered, uh, media. So, uh, yeah, just excited and just, uh, um, stoked for what, what this, uh, what this, uh, series opens up as a star Wars fan. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, that's what I was thinking is I think my final idea or takeaway is I am excited. Like I, as I've gone to more, you know, outside of the movies, um, like the literature, um, the, the TV shows, it's like, I, I have just come to love the whole star Wars idea. I love, you know, all the, the lore and, um, all the, the ideas that they are, like the, honestly, Star Wars is like limitless. There's like so many ideas. Yep. And I like how you said that it. this is, it, it's away from the star Wars, the Skywalker saga. And it's like, you know, 
we're just enjoying the Star Wars. We don't have to critique it because, oh, it doesn't, they're not playing this character right, or this character should be like more like this. It's like, this is like an original story that is using, um, like you said, co- goes back to the original trilogy. And it, it just makes me so excited. I, I love it. I just, I love to see what direction they're taking it. And we're going to lo- learn more about, you know, the child and his species and kind of more of that deeper Star Wars knowledge that no one really knows about. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. And I just think that it's going to be so good. And, and even it's good for like all of Star Wars fans, like, you know, like even the most, uh, you know, really deep or even the lightest Star Wars fan. It's like, we just something that we can enjoy together because we don't have to critique it. We don't have to analyze it uh, as far as like, Oh, this should be this way because John Favreau is, and you know, all the, their director team. It's like, they're just making the story and mm-hmm. they're doing all their research and they're working together with Lucas. It's like, it's, I love it. I think it's going to be so fun and, and it's really going to be just a good and enjoyable time. Yeah, definitely. And I echo what you're saying there as well. Like I feel like we've got some trustworthy like people on production and it's just cranking out stuff that it's just new star Wars, but it's so set in star Wars that it's exciting. Um, I also want to add something else in that you sort of touched on. Um, and that's just like when I first watched this as a star Wars fan, um, I was just so, I remember just being buzzing and just like, just my mind was spinning at, with excitement that there was a, that there was a character that's the same species as Yoda, right? Oh yeah, dude. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I just feel like we have to acknowledge that in the child. And I, oh, obviously, we're going to be talking so much more about Baby Yoda, the child, for the rest of uh, our episodes or for the next several episodes. But I just want to note that really quick that like I think that actually when I first watched this episode, that was like the moment of like my highest excitement was like seeing that there was a Yoda species in this, um, in this, uh, uh, episode. It was just amazing. Yeah. I, I was, I was stoked. I, because I had done my own research on, you know, Yoda and, and Yaddle. It's like, those are the only two connections we have with this species. Um, and so going back, trying to find the origin or where you come from, why they're so, you know, force sensitive. It's like, this is going to be awesome. I, mm-hmm. I was stoked. I was stoked. That was such a cool cle- and a clever idea they had to bring in this, you know, this uh, baby Yoda uh, to the storyline. Oh, yeah. And, and we're excited for what the future holds. <laughs> All right, Blake, let's uh, let's wrap this up then. I think we've like given like a, a good analysis and like a good sort of uh, um, look and review into our first episode of The Mandalorian. So thank you for everything that you've talked about. Um, this was sweet. I was like, this was a, a really fun conversation. Um, and, uh, we want to continue doing this. So, um, for those of, of you who are listening, um, we're planning on every week, putting out another episode of this podcast, uh, following each chapter of the first season of the Mandalorian, giving more reviews, uh, more analysis, uh, more fun facts, and just really, uh, stoked being stoked about, uh, what the Mandalorian has to offer. Um, and so look forward to people continuing to listen. Um, anything else to, uh, say before sign off, Blake? Uh, no, just, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, you know, tell your friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, we're just here to have some fun and, uh, I hope you guys had fun too. And yeah, uh, you know, drop us a comment or email us with any topic ideas you have or any conversations you want and we'll, we can address that for sure. Definitely, definitely. And uh, so, yeah, thank you to everyone who listened uh, to our first episode. This is uh, Sabak Talk and we are signing off. Yeah.